God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Over the course of my sabbatical, I suffered a few bouts of what I can only call important white man syndrome. <laughs> Which is to say, by about midpoint of the summer, I started a little writing project. And it wasn't something I was planning on in advance. It arose organically, and, and I was excited. And right away, it started to consume my every thought. And also right away, this is where my symptoms begin. I started to resent that the rest of the world didn't immediately realize how groundbreaking and momentous this new project of mine was. That they, and, and by they I really just mean Anna, <laughs> that they didn't immediately drop what they were doing and instead do everything in their power to take care of all of our household responsibilities, you know, like parenting and cooking, so that I could be free to converse with my muse in solitude. It didn't matter if, say, they also happened to have a full-time job of their own, or that we didn't have anyone to help ch cover childcare, and that I had agreed in advance that I would do all of that. What can I say? I'm an important man. I have important things to say. Who am I to deprive the world of my very important voice? And then I found some medicine to this ailment. I found some medicine at a monastery, as it happens. Where we were in Greece, uh, there was a lot of monasteries, and I visited as many of them as I could, and my favorite one was a monastery up at the very top of this mountain dedicated to St. John the Baptist. And I rode my bike up to this monastery. It was a very beautiful experience. I was very tired. And I walked in, and sure enough, the monk, there's only one monk in this monastery, he was sitting on a bench right inside the entry door as if he were waiting for me, and I walked in, sweating, exhausted, he offered me a piece of Turkish delight, which nourished my soul as well as my body. This monk's name was literally Theodosius. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> he didn't speak a lot of English, but we had a sweet little back and forth as much as we could, and he showed me the way to their chapel and encouraged me to pray for the health of my family and light a candle which I did, and he sent me on my way. And just as I was leaving, this monastery is on this cliff edge, up at the top of this mountain, overlooking the Aegean Sea. It's just as beautiful as you're picturing it right now. And I just decided to take a moment and take in the view in front of me, and as I was doing that, I noticed that right down the cliff, there was another chapel and I thought, well, that's interesting, or what looked like a chapel. And there was an inviting little gate down the cliff, just perfectly ajar. And there were signs around, but they were all in Greek, and I couldn't read them, so I didn't know what you were allowed and not allowed to do. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to take a walk down this little cliff. And sure enough, it was a little chapel. I looked in the window. There was icons everywhere. 
places to pray, but alas, the door was locked. So I was about to make my way back up the cliff. And then I noticed, right along the back side of the chapel, there was a little stairway going into what looked to be a basement, although this basement didn't have any door. It was just kind of an open portal. The door was about five feet high, and I decided to go investigate. And I ducked my head inside this dark little portal and just neatly stacked along the opposite wall um, were human bones. Just stacked about two or three feet high was just a little wall of arm and leg bones stacked on top of each other, and then all along the top I counted about a hundred skulls. Didn't expect that. And as the empty eyes of a hundred or so once-bearded brothers stared back at me, there was really just one thing running through my head. Well, two, actually. The first was, I can't wait to integrate this experience into my very important writing project. (laughs) (laughs) But that soon faded, and then came a deeper, more somber realization that I'm going to die too. If you're a monk in the Greek Orthodox tradition, particularly if you're in any way associated with Mount Athos, which this monastery apparently was, their practice is that they'll bury you in the ground, usually the same day that you die, but very shallowly and without a coffin. And then three years later, they'll dig you back up. And if you're sufficiently decomposed, then they'll just throw your bones on the stack. If you're not quite ready, they'll throw your bones in a little box and put your initials on it and give you a couple more years to get ready. I wonder if you ever think about your own funeral. if you wonder what people are going to say about you once you're gone. I can't say that it's something that I do very often, but I can tell you that it's pretty hard not to think about it when you're in a room full of human bones. And for me, the question that I was wrestling with was, how important am I? And with the skulls of a hundred monks looking back at me, all of whose lives have been characterized by far more radical decisions than I had ever had the courage to make, and none of whom even had a gravestone inscription to be remembered by, the answer that I was getting back was a pretty emphatic, not very. Who am I in the grand scheme of things? Who's ultimately going to even remember me? My family, sure, but how long will that last? I can name 25% of my great-grandparents. And some of you 
feelers in the congregation are suddenly sensing an urge to comfort me and say, <laughs> oh, Father Zach, you're great. We'll never forget you. <laughs> That's very sweet. <laughs> it might even be true. Do you remember the name of the pastor where you went to church 25 years ago? Do you know how many books were published <laughs> last year? At least half a million. Do you know how many books that were published in the year 1900 are still in print? Actually, I don't know. I couldn't find that statistic. <laughs> but it's a lot less than 500,000. Google Books estimates that since the invention of the Gutenberg Press, 129,864,880 books have been published. Turns out that death is a pretty effective medicine for one's ego. That and a little Googling. And yet somehow in this moment, this realization didn't leave me feeling depressed. This room full of bones wasn't merely a statement of radical humility. I took it also as some kind of collective declaration of faith, a, a bold statement to a significance of a different kind altogether. In fact, it reminded me of the words of St. Paul in our reading from Romans today, when he says, we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Here were people that dedicated their entire lives to God, who worked and prayed in the literal obscurity of this island mountaintop, completely removed from the world's radar of important and influential people. And they asked themselves, how can I communicate this same radical stance in death as I maintained in life? And so they saw to it that their bones would literally reside in the foundation of what during their life was their foundation, the church. And yet these monks were completely insignificant in the grand sweep of human history. They did not care. They were nowhere near Time's list of 100 most influential people. They'd probably never even heard of that list. Because they understood that their significance lay elsewhere. Specifically, that they had been claimed by God in Christ. That they were significant and known each of them to God, that they were each of them loved by God, and so they felt they were freed to live lives of radical obedience. I did not feel depressed leaving that unexpected crypt. I left feeling kind of relieved, actually. My life is but a breath. And it's fine to spend some of that writing a book if I ever get back around to it. 
But how crazy is it to think that me doing so is so important that it's worth ignoring the relationships and the people that are right in front of me every day? You see, the gift of acknowledging your own insignificance in the world is to be released to live as fully in every moment as you possibly can. It is to be set free from the competitive rat race of our society and instead to live alive to God and to God's purposes for you. What do you hope people say at your funeral? I'm actually not sure that's the most helpful question. See, the word legacy is a word that important white men love. And it's a very tricky word. And it's a word, I think, that can get you in lots of trouble. See, the, the wounds of history, the wounds of many of our lives are created by people thinking they were so important they didn't have to pay attention to what was right in front of them. The word legacy can be unhelpful precisely to the degree that it makes us focus on a future in a way that tempts us to ignore the present. So let me suggest a better question to ask yourself. What is God calling me to today? What is God calling me to today? See, that's a much less intimidating question. And yet I can't imagine anything I would rather someone say about me at the end of my life than that I was faithful to God's call and that my life was filled with days alive to the work that God put in front of me. I can actually tell you at least one thing that will be said at your funeral if you die as a member of this church and you give us the honor of burying you. I can promise you at least this one thing will be said. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. This is part of the opening processional anthem that we say at every funeral we do in the Episcopal Church. You don't have to be a monk for this to apply to you. You don't even have to be a priest you can just be you. And actually, the kind of terrifying part of the way that Paul phrases it here is it kind of sounds like it's true whether you like it or not. You see, your significance is not something that you have to earn from this world. It's something that is given to you from your very beginning. God has given it to you, and God has set you free. Amen. Amen.